My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 25. Well, hello and welcome back to another edition of My Car Guru. I am back from Florida. I went to the uh, Amelia Island Concours de Elegance, and that sounds like a real fancy name for a car show, and it is a fancy car show. It's actually held on Sunday. But it's all the previous stuff. I went down, flew down on Thursday, real early Thursday morning, went to Atlanta, and then on down to Jacksonville, rented a car, drove to Amelia Island, and uh, checked into our little condo there and met all of my friends who actually drove down. And so uh, it was off to the Gooding Auction. Uh, the Gooding is a uh, auction company, and they, I, they may have other types of auctions. I think they just auction cars and motorcycles and such. But they were there, and uh, this would have been my probably 20th. I've kind of lost count how many times I've been down there. But I was excited about this one. I was a registered bidder. I decided to go ahead and do that so I could get a good seat. Really didn't have anything in particular that I was overwhelmed by except two things. The motorcycles that they had for sale. Uh, They had a a 55 Ford Thunderbird that looked really good. The estimate was way over what I wanted to pay. And... uh, you know, they had some some Porsches and some Alphas and things like that. They had a beautiful, uh, what was it, a Chrysler, 1932 Chrysler that uh, it was a convertible that I would have loved to have. But it, again, just completely out of my price range. So I decided to just kind of sit down and I had my bid thing there so that I could have my paddle, I think is what they call it. I had it ready just in case. First vehicle comes up. 1954 Piaggio Vespa 125. Well, I had looked at it. Of course, I get there early enough to be able to walk through and really examine the vehicles. You never buy something until you've looked at it. I've made that mistake before. But this one looked really good. Very good restoration. Uh, It's been sitting for a long time, so that's usually an issue. So, you know, they pushed it onto the stage and the bidding started. Well, the estimate was between eighteen and twenty-two thousand, and it was being sold without reserve because there was this huge collection of motorcycles that were being sold that were owned by one man. First name Leo, last name S C H I G I E L. Schigel, maybe. But anyway, the estimate first bid they couldn't get any bids at first, and so he said, "Would anybody give five thousand? I raised my paddle." So I was the first bidder on the first vehicle of the auction. And so another guy jumped in, and he offered 10000 And then they were going once, going twice. I mean, they, they kept dragging out trying to go, and nobody made any offers. So I just offered another, another $2,000, and nobody outbid me. So this little 1954 Piaggio Vespa 125 is coming to Greenville, Tennessee. Now, with the... Uh, Buyer's fee of 12%. I ended up paying $13,440, but I still think it's a great buy. And it is something that if I wanted to resell it, I feel like I could make a little bit, but I am going to play with this when we go camping. I think that'll be fun. So I was just sitting there, and there were some wonderful people sitting on either side of me. They, the people on the, on the right-hand side were not there to buy cars. They were just there to look. The guy on the left-hand side was there to buy and uh, we struck up quite a little friendship, exchanged business cards, you know, and all this stuff. And it was just fun. Then Lot 32 happened to be the Thunderbird that I was telling you about. Um, the 1955, let's see, where is it? Here it is. Lot number 32, 1955 Ford Thunderbird. 
Now, I had looked at this car uh, in the catalog before, and I said, boy, that's a beautiful color. That thing can't be as good as the pictures. Folks, it was better than the pictures. It looked way better than it did in 1955 when it came out of the, sh- uh, the factory. Complete restoration. There's no way that this vehicle could be restored for less than seventy-five dollars to $100,000. Well, I knew I wasn't going to be able to buy this car because the estimate was between seventy-five and ninety-five. I wasn't going to do that. So I, I was just sitting there. Um, there were no bids initially. So they kept fishing for bids. Finally, this guy came up and bid $38,000 for it. So that was the first bid. And I said, okay, I give, held my paddle up. So we bumped that up. And I went back and forth with this one guy. And finally, at, at, at 40, I think we were, he was at 47.5. I said, okay, I'm going to hit it one more time, 50,000. And silence nothing happened and they were milking it i mean the the auctioneer he was sitting there come you know looking all over the room and everything going once going twice and i said hit the gavel hit the gavel please he finally hit the gavel so that 1955 thunderbird is coming also to greenville tennessee now with the um buyer's fee that one ended up being fifty six thousand. well i was done uh, there were a couple other vehicles that I, I was interested in but I had had so much fun, and again, meeting all those people. So uh, today, I've got a man in Florida that's picking that vehicle up for me and going to bring it back. So it and the motorcycle, or the Vespa. So we shall see. If you want to come down and see it, I'll probably have it in the showroom at Gateway Ford by, oh, in a couple days. You know, we've got to go through it and make sure it's running good. I want to drive it a little bit, you know, just to make sure, see how it performs on the road and because anytime you buy an old car like this I mean there's going to be issues even though it looks absolutely gorgeous and seems perfect it was restored in 2013 so there's going to be something wrong with it I just hope it's not expensive but the good thing about these old um, Fords is you can buy parts and you can buy I mean you can order you know replacement parts for an engine issue for from O'Reilly Auto Parts it's really that's the beauty of doing a very common domestic vehicle. But I tell you, there's nothing common about this particular vehicle. It was uh, very. It's won a bunch of awards. I mean, it it looks better than my K code Mustang in the showroom. So it's going to be. I'm excited about that. Okay, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. You know, one of the things I like to do is go to their um, art display. They have artists that come in. And they're set up in the Ritz-Carlton, which is a pretty nice hotel. And uh, they have a couple big rooms, and, and there's probably 20 different artists that are there. They do everything from wood sculpture to metal sculptures to, to paintings. And some of the painters are impressionist, you know, where it's, it's um, just a lot of color and it's not real refined. And some of them are unbelievably detailed and refined. And so, you know, I do some shopping around at that. And I found this lady that had uh, more of an impressionist, but oh my goodness, there's such beautiful colors. And she had prints for sale. Her paintings were a little pricey for me. So, I, you know, she has autographed prints. And, and so I, I bought four of those to go and to cram somewhere in this office of mine. But that's, you know, that's a lot of fun as well. So I did that while I was waiting on my brother and we were going to a seminar which was uh, basically um, some NASCAR legends were going to be there. Uh, one of my favorites, Jeff Gordon, as a matter of fact. And not only was Jeff there, but his uh, two crew chiefs, Ray Everham 
and a guy named, uh, I think, Steve Latart, and then Kenny Schrader was there. And so they set up on the stage, and they have this big long... Ray was basically uh, running the show, but they so they had three chairs, and then he was standing behind a podium. And so these guys would uh, come up one at a time as uh, Ray would explain their history and their, you know, what they did and what they've accomplished in life. Of course, Jeff Gordon and Kenny Schrader had a very long history. Matter of fact, in, I think it was 1994, maybe, when they had the first Brickyard, the inaugural Brickyard uh, 500 race. This was a NASCAR race, the first NASCAR race they had at Indianapolis. Well, Jeff Gordon, I think it was either it was either his rookie year or his second year, and my brother and I went to that race, and we saw him win, and that was just a thrilling experience, more so for him than us, but it was quite fun for us as well. So he talked all about that. They were up on stage for probably an hour and a half, and they took questions, and then they had an autograph session, which after that we we got some autographs. And my my son-in-law, Ben, has, uh, he said, I was telling him that I was standing next to Jeff Gordon, and he w- he idolized Jeff Gordon. So Ben got him some autographs today when I came back to the dealership, so he was excited about that. But I guess the most... I guess the interesting thing is, you know, you put these people up on pedestals and, you know, you think that they are, um, of course they are extremely talented individuals, but they're just people just like we are, you know, they just, they have, uh, they've had tremendous success, but they started small. And I remember Jeff Gordon was talking about, you know, of course he's a go, go-kart tracks first, but then he got into dirt real early. So he was a dirt track racer and well, Kenny Schrader was a dirt a dirt track hero of Jeff Gordon's. And so uh, they raced, and, and uh, Kenny Schrader said, man, this young kid is really good. Quite a bit difference in age, I would say, at least 20 years difference in age. And so just seeing those two guys on stage and interacting w- with each other, they were talking about a race, and I think it, was, it, it wasn't it uh, was Jeff's rookie year, maybe the second year, where he wrecked Kenny Schrader really badly. And uh, so he was... He was uh, trailing Ken Schrader, and he got up beside him, and something he he said something happened. The car got a little loose, and he you know he said whoa, and it started to go to the right, and he hit the back of Kenny Schrader, turned Kenny around, and Kenny went airborne. I think he spun in the air like seven times before he actually hit the ground, and then spun a bunch on the ground. Just to hear them interact about that was just hilarious, and uh, that type of uh, back and forth went on the whole time. So it's, it's quite enjoyable. So when you go to these events like this, it's way much more than just going to a car show. You've got seminars. You've got test drive opportunities. You've got shows in different uh, places. For example, there was this uh, Porsche event that was uh, near one of the other country clubs, and we went and checked it out. And, you know, I was telling my – I love Porsches, but I was telling my brother, you know, there's nothing more boring than a whole bunch of Porsches uh, at a car show because they look so much alike. Now, that's an oversimplification. They do look a lot alike. You don't get much variety, but there's a lot of variety within the Porsche family, don't get me wrong. But really, the car show aspect of it, I like seeing a whole bunch of different things. And man, we sure did on Sunday. It was a phenomenal show. For example, you may have seen the movie Ford versus Ferrari. And it was an interesting story about Ford's, really Henry Ford II, who was actually Henry Ford's grandson, 
and his mission to beat Ferrari. Now, you know, one of the reasons he was so anxious to go after Ferrari is because he had really had the deal sewn up to buy Ferrari from Enzo Ferrari to buy the company. But there was a dispute over what type of control Enzo would be able to maintain. So he backed out of the deal. Well, that really got Henry Ford upset, and he said, I want to go to Le Mans, which is the, the, the biggest sports car race in the world, that Ferrari had won so many times in like the, the five years previous in a row, and I want to beat him at Le Mans. And he did. He didn't the first time out, but the second time out, he got first, second, and third. And if you watched the movie, you saw where Ken Miles was leading the race, and uh, the execs with Ford wanted all three Fords, all of the three Ford uh, GT40s, to come across the line at the same time. One, two, three. Well, so Ken Miles, who was leading the race by almost a lap, had to slow down. So he, he slowed down and waited for his his uh, teammates to come up and catch up with him. So they all crossed the line just about simultaneously. Well, Ken Miles thought he won the race, but he didn't win the race because the second-place car at the starting grid had started further back, pretty far back because he didn't qualify as well, you know, maybe 100 yards back of where Ken Miles' car was. But when they crossed the finish line, they were almost bumper to bumper. Well, because of the fact that the second-place car what was the second-place car, traveled a further distance overall, which they measured that as a part of the formula. Then they gave first place to the second-place driver. Chris Ammon, I think was his name, and uh, Bruce McLaren. So if you saw the movie, you, I, I'm sorry, if you didn't see the movie, I hate to ruin it for you, but it was a really well-done movie. But Ken Miles, uh, after all, did not win. And it was he was robbed, you know, basically because of a, the corporate decision that they wanted them to cross one, two, and three. To make a long story short, the winning car, the number two car, um, was there on the lawn at Emiliano, and I got to stand beside it, and take pictures of it. Now, this is a legendary car; it's priceless. Well, I'm sure there's probably a price, but I would say probably fifty million um, might buy the car. That's how valuable that car is. So this is an art show, and really. That's what got me as far as this Thunderbird was concerned. Um, the color of it, it's kind of a teal color. It's an original color from from that uh, from 1955. But I've always been uh, somewhat fascinated with Thunderbird. I mean, Thunderbird, Ford lost their way when they started putting four doors on Thunderbirds, probably long before that. But I love the Thunderbirds from 55 through probably 66. And... Uh, so, you know, it was a response car, really, to the Chevrolet Corvette. The Corvette was a two-seat sports car, and, and the Thunderbird came out in uh, 55 as a two-seater. But it really wasn't about uh, sports car performance. It was more about style and comfort. They, they looked at this as a, uh, a stylish car that an executive, you know, might want to drive on the weekends. Um, it comes with two tops. It has the hard top and then a convertible top. I'm anxious to see how hard that thing is to manhandle. But the Thunderbird was really a tremendous success. Uh, they averaged, let's see, they got 3,500 orders on the day of its introduction. They sold more than 16,000 of these in the first model year, which is pretty good success. This particular car was built 
on um, my grandson's birthday. Yeah, Henry's birthday is February 28th, uh, 2020. Yeah, 2020. And uh, February 28th, 1955 is when this car was built. A Thunderbird, they call it color uh, turquoise with a white and turquoise interior. But it really is well equipped. It has power steering, power brakes. Uh, the automatic transmission at that time is a two-speed automatic. It's called a Ford-O-Matic. It has power windows. Can you believe that? Uh, radio, and it even has a magic air heater, uh, tinted glass and wire wheel covers, seat belts, and what they call the engine dress-up kit. So that were the those were that were those were the factory options for this car, and it was sold new in Texas. Uh, back in 1955, and it says it went through an extensive Concorde level restoration, which that's, uh, it's very obvious that this was done to a very high level. Uh, it got uh, Best of Show Award at a Concorde Elegance in Massachusetts, and it's been well-maintained. It was actually restored in 2013, so it's not really that old of a restoration. If they're properly cared for, then they can last the paint jobs and stuff can last. It's just hard to make a car look this good for a long period of time. And you really, they won't if you leave them outside, that's for sure. You know, you leave it in a showroom and, you know, you wipe it down a lot. And all of a sudden, I mean, even wipe, the process of wiping a car down will scratch the paint over time. And, and you know, the paint starts to fade. So, uh, but this is going to be a, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. It depends on how it drives, quite frankly. If it really is smooth and, and it proves to be reliable, then I'll probably keep it for a pretty long time. If not, if I, I really don't like the way it drives, then I'll probably sell it on bringatrailer.com. I'll let you know if I decide to do that. Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back in just a minute. Okay, I'm back. You know, I know these, uh, these real high-dollar players at these auctions. You know, it's just a, the difference between them and me is scale. Like I've, they have a lot more scale than I've got, but I guarantee that they're not having any more fun than I'm having, uh, watching and interacting with the auctioneers and and just evaluating cars. The top seller at the auction was a 1962 Ferrari F250 or <laughs> F250. That's a Ford truck, Ferrari 250 GT. Short wheelbase, California. Now, I've always loved this car. I, my brother and I, or the whole family, went to Italy uh, about 15 years ago. And uh, we did a brother trip while we were over there to Modena. That is the headquarters for Ferrari. And they have a museum right beside the plant. So we went through the museum, and I said, there it is, Wendell. That's my favorite Ferrari body style. And he said, well, you picked a good one. And that was that same car. Well, of course, the one in the factory was just amazing. And, and really, I found out that most of the vehicles that are on display there are owned by individuals who just choose to have their vehicles on display at the Ferrari factory. So that's pretty cool. But this 1962 Ferrari was a very different car. What colors are Ferrari supposed to be? That's right, red. Well, this one wasn't. This one was a beautiful, let's see, what do they call that color? Oh, here it is, Azzurro Metalizzato or metallic blue. And it had a uh, Connolly leather upholstery. It just it was just beyond beautiful. The prettiest part to me, not only uh, well, obviously the the exterior, but the dashboard on this car is gorgeous. 
But anyway, it was the star of the show. And uh, it was the expected to bring between 18 million and 20 million. Well, they succeeded. It brought $18,045,000. So just think about it. That's pocket change for somebody. It'll probably end up in a museum, which is where it should be. But you can go and check this out at uh, GoodingAndCompany.com or GoodingCo. So G-O-O-D-I-N-G-C-O.com. And if you go in there and you look at auctions, just go to the Amelia Island auction, and the very first vehicle that you see will be my little scooter. And then lot number 32 is the uh, Thunderbird. So... You can check it out for yourself and then uh, come down to Gateway and you can see them both. I'll probably put the scooter down here too. I hope that they are not, you know, that there aren't any mechanical issues, but you really just don't know when you buy one of these. They don't give you opportunity to drive them. You can look at them, but you can't drive them. They'll let you start them. Of course, they drive across the um, auction block. We could not stop or start the scooter because it was, they didn't let you try to start them. Pretty simple stuff though. It's just a two cycle engine. Johnny can get it running for me, I'm sure. But you know, you you expect this from older cars, and uh, you know, once you do get them running perfectly and everything's great, they don't stay that way. They're very temperamental, and uh, you just have to. It's great to have your own shop and mechanic and body people to be able to do that. Like I say, if you're thinking about buying a vintage car at the first time for you, don't buy a modern car with a warranty, with a you know power roof and all that stuff, because the older cars they just you know, they d- didn't perform and drive like the ones that we have today, but they are pretty special. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.